0: welcome to true spirituality network we are focused on spreading the gospel of god's love across the world the bible says there is no fear in love and perfect love casts out every fear as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out every fear worry and anxiety god loves you beautiful name have we prayed and let god's people say amen all right if you join us for the first time this is true spirituality network and on this platform we preach one message we preach about the love of god the bible says in the book of first corinthians chapter 13 verse 13 the bible says now those three things shall remain Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of them is love. So, every time you hear the word of God, you have to anticipate your faith, hope, and love being built. The gospel can also be called word of faith. That means when you hear it, it produces faith on your inside. And this is why we lay a lot of emphasis on what christ has done because the bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god the more you hear about the things that christ has done to make so many things available for you today it produces faith on your inside the gospel is not to tell you more things to do it is to tell you what has already been done You know, if you check the message Paul preached, if you check the message Peter preached in the book of Acts that were recorded, their messages are very simple. They preach about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So you hear them say something like, "He was delivered for our sins and was raised for our justification. Exact punchlines. He was delivered for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised for our justification. And anyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins, something the law of Moses cannot do for you. Those are the punchlines that Peter and Paul always use when they preach. If you read Acts of Apostles chapter 10, if you read Acts of Apostles chapter 13, verse 38 and 39, these are the punchlines they use. They don't preach something like, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this, you have to do that. No. They preach what Christ has done and what his death has brought upon us, total forgiveness of sins. They preach what his resurrection has brought upon us, justification by faith. If you read Romans chapter 4, verse 25, it says, He was delivered for our sins and was raised for our justification. Then Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you feel as if God is angry with you, if you feel as if God is mad at you, if you feel as if God is not happy with you, then you should put your faith in what Christ has done. Because the only way you can have peace with God is if you put your faith in what Christ has done for you. Christ, because of his death and resurrection, he has taken away the barrier between you and God. So it is no longer you trying to reach out to God. God reached out to man on the cross of Calvary. And everyone who believes receives forgiveness of sins. They are justified by faith and received the Holy Spirit by faith. So if you're born again today, you are not trying to get close to God. No, God now lives in you, and you are now in Christ. So the Bible says, evil dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Christ is the secret place of the Most High. The secret place is not one abstract word. It is not what you think it might be outside Christ. The secret place himself is Christ so he who dwells in Christ abides under the shadow of the Almighty. This is why you are protected, coming out and going in. This is why you should not be afraid by noonday, not to arise at night time, because there is no weapon fashioned against you that can prosper. You are the Son of God, the beloved of God. You are special. God is actively thinking about you. There is nothing more beautiful. There is nothing more beautiful. So we preach pure good news on this platform, just good news. And we've been on a series, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. And it says, Solid food belongs to the mature, who by constant practice have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. And the earlier verses talks about the fact that anybody that can't define what righteousness is, the person is a babe. Anybody who is unskillful in the words of righteousness is still taking milk. The person is a babe. We already settled that already. So let's just jump into some solid food. And by the way, the emphasis of the solid food takers is that they constantly train themselves. And that simply means when it comes to the teaching of solid food, you may get to a point whereby you have to constantly repeat not the same message, but you have to constantly repeat the things you are trying to get across. And this is very important. This is why even the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. What makes you a mature believer is the ability to constantly train yourself in certain areas of your life. You know, no matter whether you like it or not, you still need to be reminded that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You still always need to be reminded that you are loved by God. Because everything in this world will almost want you to feel as if God is not in love with you. Everything you may face, you may go through, your situations might want to tell you that God doesn't care about you. So you need preachers that will remind you that no matter what you're going through, God still loves you. And God never stopped loving you. In the sight of God you are altogether beautiful and there is no flaw in you. Song of Solomon chapter 4 verse 7. So because the key or the strength or the secret for the matured is the ability to consistently train themselves to distinguish between good and evil. And the distinguishing between good and evil in that context, if you want to take it to Romans chapter 12, Romans 3 to twelve verse two says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by renewing your mind." One major way to this, to be able to distinguish between good and evil, is when you learn how to constantly renew your mind. So Romans twelve verse two says, "When you renew your mind, you'll be able to prove what is good, one acceptable will of God." Still the same thing with what Hebrews five fourteen says. So the context of this distinguishing between good and evil, the context of the ability to discern what is the good and acceptable will of God is found when you begin to renew your mind. And to take it a step further, today I'm going to focus on the message that Jesus preached on the mount. I'm going to focus on the sermon of the mount. Jesus preached a message from Matthew chapter 5, to Matthew chapter 7. And I already clearly stated that the message Jesus preached was the law. Jesus preached the law. If You have to listen to the last message, to the last episode, because I took time to explain the difference between law and grace. John chapter 1 verse 17 says, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law... Speaks about what man must do in order to be accepted by God. The grace speaks about what Christ has done to make us accepted in the sight of God. The law demands righteousness from sinful man. The grace supplies righteousness to sinful man. Under the law, you have to do this, to do that, to do this, to do that, to experience some things, to get some things from God. Under the grace, Christ has done this and done that. And as long as you come through the name of Jesus, you can ask God for anything and he will do it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, if he could freely give you his only begotten son, how much more will he not give you anything you ask him? Under the law, the focus is on your works. Under the grace, the focus is on Christ's finished works. Under the law, you have to do this and do that. And until you do it perfectly, you can get some things from God. Under the grace, Christ has done everything perfectly. You just have to rest in what he has done. I took time to explain this in the last episode. So you have to catch up with that. I don't want to repeat that message anymore. So, but I said, Jesus preached the law. Why did Jesus preach the law? Jesus preached the law because he mentioned clearly, that he has not come to destroy the law. The law came through Moses we understand. But you know what? Grace came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. And the manifestation of that grace. That came through Jesus. The manifestation of grace and truth. Came into effect. After the death. burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. If we say grace speaks about what Christ has done. Then, the context of the things he did did not fully manifest until he died, and God raised him from the dead. You understand what I 'm talking about. But while he was alive, he was always teaching and always healing. And thank God it's it started. on Thursdays we pray for the sick, and towards the end, we, 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 we unveil the scriptures about the provisions God has made available for healing. That means if you're trusting God for any form of healing, if you're sick, if you're trusting God for a touch, we're gonna pray with you and you'll be completely healed. So Jesus was always teaching and he was always healing. Two major things he was doing. And by the way, this is just by the way. Okay, don't let me say this now. I wanted to say something, but I'm not saying it. So let's go back to our message. So Jesus was always teaching and he was always healing. Jesus was always teaching. And it was always healing. Acts of Apostles chapter 10 verse 38 says, Our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good, healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. For three years of Jesus' ministry, he was always teaching and always healing. But what was he always teaching most times? He was always teaching the law. He was always teaching the law. Now, listen. Listen, there were times when Jesus actually, once in a while, introduces the grace of God. But he also preached the law. And I'm going to show you this from Jesus' message himself that was recorded. The Sermon of the Mount. And why would Jesus preach the law? Because the law was given in the first place to bring man to the end of himself. So that man can see the need for a saviour. Again, don't forget what I said law is. The law are the things you must do in order to be accepted by God. Now, the flaw of the law is when it was given, man, the children of Israel were not aware that they couldn't fulfill the law. God knew that the children of Israel could not fulfill the law. Galatians chapter 5, no, Romans chapter 5 verse 20. You have to read this part and it has to be displayed. Romans 5.20 says the law was given so that iniquity might abound. In fact, that literally means the reason why the law was given is so that people can sin the more. This thing is in black and white in your Bible. The law was given to tell men, don't do, don't do, so that man can always violate it. It is to make sin come out of man. The law was given so that iniquity might abound. So when man sees that God I can't help it, the more I don't want to do something, I end up doing it, and you must have found yourself in that situation before. Times when you say, God, I promise you I will never do this again. At times you say something like Lord, if I do it again, kill me. And then you do it again. And you are still alive. Because God is a good God. And it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So even while you did it again, God still didn't kill you. He still showed you mercy. He still threw goodness your way because He's a loving Father. And the only way God brings people to repentance is by throwing goodness their way. So the law strengthens sin. I wish people understand what I'm talking about. The reason, and I explained this in the last session, the reason why we are not supposed to preach the law anymore is because the aim of the law is to strengthen sin. Romans 5.20, the law was given... So that iniquity might abound. Exactly what it says. Is it 20 or 21? It should be 20, right? The law was given by Moses so that people can sin the more. When you hear all this, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. It, thou, those thou shalt not, that sadly is the theme of an average church mercy today, was given so that people can sin more. This is why places where you see something like. Where people preach a lot about something is almost pl- is almost okay. This is why it is almost that in places where people preach against something, that's where people do that thing a lot. Places where you preach a lot about something or against something is where you see the manifestation of that thing the most. First Corinthians chapter fifteen verse fifty six, the Bible says the last part. The Bible says the strength of sin is the law. If you realize people are almost committing sin a lot in this particular region, what may be happening? The Bible says the strength of sin is the law. The more you preach law, it strengthens sin. This is exactly why the Bible says in Romans 6:14 that sin shall no longer have dominion over you because you're no longer under the law, but under the grace. If you are a believer and you realize you have fallen into sin, you fall into sin and it's almost getting consistent it is because you are you're under the law you are bringing yourself back to the consciousness of the things you do and the things you don't do and the moment you are self-conscious the moment you are introspective about your actions the moment you are focused on yourself rather than focused on christ you are bringing yourself to the consciousness of the law and guess what you find yourself sinning more because even under the law even when you don't sin you will feel as if you might have done something wrong in the past. You will not be able to even trace what you did or what you didn't do. But because you are self-conscious, the law points you to yourself. Instead of you to be conscious of the grace of God, the grace consciousness, the grace mindset, points you to Christ and what he has done. So it doesn't make you focus on self. It will make you focus on Christ. If you are under the law, you don't even have to commit a sin before you can condemn yourself. The Bible calls the law the ministry of condemnation in Second Corinthians chapter 3. Even when you pray, you feel as if, I don't think i prayed enough. I don't think God will answer my prayer because I didn't pray enough. You will always seem as if you are doing everything but it's not enough. And the things you promised God you won't do again. Because you are self-conscious and you are sin-conscious. You think you are trying to avoid sin by being sin-conscious. By saying, I don't want to get angry again. I don't want to lie again. But because your consciousness is still not Christ, your consciousness is still sin, you end up finding yourself getting angry. This was what Paul was explaining in Romans chapter 7. That the things I don't want to do, I end up doing them. Why? As at that time, and he was talking in the context of the law, before he jumped to Romans chapter 8, but that started by saying, you know what? I'm focused on the grace now. And if I'm focused on the grace, there is therefore now no condemnation for me. This was the context of what he was explaining. And then he started talking about the help of the Spirit. The things that the Holy Spirit will do in our inside. in Romans chapter 8. But in Romans chapter 7, he was talking about the law. In Romans chapter 6, he was comparing law and grace. He was saying worse, it was saying sin will not dominate over you because you are no longer under the law, but under the grace. In Romans chapter 5, he was talking about law and grace. He said the strength of sin is the law. I'm mixing it up. In Romans chapter 5 verse 20 was will say where the law was given so that iniquity may abound. But he said where sin abound the grace of God supreme Long story short is law, grace, grace, law, law, grace, grace, law. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If you are not free from addiction you have to stop looking at yourself. You have to even stop trying to stop an habit by your willpower. Because you can't stop any habit. With your willpower, That sin will still have dominion over you. As long as you are introspective. As long as you are trying. I'm trying not to do it again. You will find yourself doing it again. Because you are focused on self. You are not resting. In what Christ has done. The only way sin will not have dominion over you. Is when you focus on the grace of God. And this is what I'm trying to explain. God wants you to rest. Don't be a believer that is always introspective about the things you do and the things you didn't do. Don't be self-righteous. self, self righteous. Be Jesus-righteous. Submit your righteousness. So let's read Matthew chapter 5. Let's see the message Jesus preached. But I have to state it, that Jesus preached the law so you can understand the context of some of the things he said. Matthew chapter 5, from verse 1. The Bible says, And seeing the multitudes... For they shall inherit the hurt. Blessed are they. Which do hunger. And thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. By the way. In this context. They may not understand some of the things. Jesus was saying here. Some of these things got clearer to some of them. After the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus at the point. told his disciples. I have so many things to tell you. But you can't bear them now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He will... I can't remember the exact way he put it, but he said He will... When the Holy Spirit comes, He will maybe teach you, but there was a context for it that I have so many things to teach you, but it can't be right now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He will open your eyes to it, and then He will teach you, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to remember the exact context, but you guys know the Bible verse I'm trying to quote. All right, so back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted did the prophets which were before you. Verse 13. Ye are the salt of the hurt. But if the salt lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing, but be cast out, and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid. By the way, stop. You know, I've, I, I knew, I, to an extent, I knew the context of what Jesus preached here, but I was just trying to see again from the light of what I know about the grace of God, and I saw what Jesus was doing here. Jesus was telling them, you are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. Jesus was trying to tell them who they are. And Jesus is not telling them you will be. It is you are. So therefore, let your light shine. You are the salt of the heart. So therefore, manifest it. Jesus was not telling them, if you want to be a salt, these are the things to do. If you want to be a light, Jesus was actually telling them, you are. Because it becomes easy to manifest when you already know you are. It becomes easy to live right when you already know you are the righteousness of God. That is just by the way. Verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a butter, but on a candlestick, and give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not I am come to destroy the law or the prophet. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfil. So Jesus stated he didn't come to destroy the law because he was going to say some other things. You would think, <laughs> okay, let, let let me let let me read first. I don't want to read and distract you guys. Let me read. Maybe when I'm done with chapter five, I'll say a couple of things that I have in mind. So Jesus said, "Think not that I have come to destroy the law." Or the prophet, I am not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or little shall in no wise pass away from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do them and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So this is Jesus beginning to uphold the law. Verse 20. For I say to you that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. There one in this Jesus idea. It It will take a New Testament believer to explain the context of what he meant. The righteousness of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they are the, what we call self-righteousness. In Romans chapter 10, the Bible says, Paul was saying, I wish that Israel, Israel be saved. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Because they are focused on their own righteousness instead of focusing on God's righteousness. The only way you can enter the kingdom of heaven is if you submit your righteousness and receive God's righteousness. This is what Jesus is talking about. He said, Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You shall no case in the kingdom. They can't understand it as at that time. They couldn't. They can't, actually. Because Jesus was here to die and resurrect. Verse 21 Ye have heard that it was said of old, or it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whatsoever shall kill, shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the counsel, but whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Stop. If you are listening to this, I want to say this to you, challenge you. Have you ever called somebody a fool before? I bet you the answer is yes. Have you ever been angry at your brother before without a cause? I am so sure. The answer is yes. So you know what Jesus was beginning to do? He was beginning to preach the law. Because what does the law do? The, the law will point you to yourself. The law will make you self-righteous. The law will point you to the things you do or things you are not doing. The law will make you introspective. Jesus began to literally preach the law. I think we already explained the reason why he preached the law, right? I think I already explained it because... He was the hand of the law. So you, you had to uphold the law to the point whereby people who say, Lord, no, none of us can be saved. We need a savior. A point where we say, Lord, you know what? I think our righteousness cannot earn us a point with you. Because all have sinned and portion of the glory of God. So but God has come to freely give us a gift called the gift of righteousness. So you understand the context. There were so many things Jesus said you can't escape it you will fall under at least one or two three categories and then you say Lord then who, who then can be saved No, none of us can be saved if we are to be judged by our works and this is why God is always offering us the gift of righteousness by faith justification by faith because if it is by works nobody can be saved but if it is by the grace and by faith then it is freely given to you and then the only criteria is just to believe Jesus said, Whosoever is angry at his brother, whosoever is angry at his co worker, because brother is still close, if you're angry at your co worker, then you've already committed murder. That's exactly the context of what Jesus was saying here. Verse 23 Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and they remembers remember that their brother, this is one reason I don't like KJV, but I'm reading it either ways. There are so many ways KJV just use some old languages and I'm trying to twist my tongue for it. Anyway. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother at ought against thee, leave thee thy gift at the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. How many of you have ever done this before? I'm so sure you don't do this. The Bible says if you realize you have I'm rephrasing a disagreement with your brother. And you want to give your offering. You want to give to God. That the moment you remember. That you have a disagreement with your brother. Drop your gift at the altar. Go meet your brother. Go sort it out. Before you bring the gift. Nobody literally does this. (coughs) Nobody. What is Jesus doing? Trying to point people again to themselves. Making them understand, okay, if you really, really want to serve God, if you want to talk about the law, because it started, use used the punch already. I didn't come to abolish, to destroy the law. I've come to fulfill it. But in order for me to fulfill the law, I have to make you understand you can't fulfill it so that you can appreciate what I do when I fulfill it, and then you can receive the gift that comes from me fulfilling the law. So Jesus was telling them, if you have anything against your brother, drop your gift first, which none of us does. At times I get angry at people and then I don't forgive them before I go give to God. But when I realize that God still loves me and that God has forgiven all my sins, even while I'm still angry at my brother, that goodness of God convinced my heart. And I just can't help it. I want to let go because I have been forgiven. So forgiven people find it easy to forgive. So I don't forgive people so that God can forgive me. I think we already explained this when we are talking about Matthew chapter 6, which we'll still get to. Matthew chapter 6 says, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Honestly, thank God God is not relating with you like that. If God will wait for you to forgive everybody on your contact list that has offended you, and the people you have blocked, and the people you don't want to see again, and all my ex, all your ex-ex that have offended you, if God will wait for you to forgive them before he forgives you, that no one can be saved. So again, he we he still come to place say, Lord, help us. We need a Savior. And Jesus opposed the law. Jesus elevated the law. In fact, in fact, there's a scriptural verse that says, the law was not made for the righteous. <laughs> Literally. It says if you want to use the law, use it lawfully. Use it for, and then it was mentioned in the name of um, people that are, um it was mentioned different categories of people use the law for. But it says the law is not made for the righteous. But well, again, as at this time, there was no gift of righteousness. As at this time, the manifestation of the fullness of grace and truth that came to Jesus has not yet been revealed. The fullness of the grace of God was revealed on the cross of Calvary when Jesus took the place of the sinful man so that the sinful man can take the place of Jesus in the heart of God. So that the Son of God can become the Son of Man. while the Son of Man can become the Son of God? True, what Jesus did for us on the cross. I'm saying so many things. I just want to believe everybody's understanding this because this is a matured, solid food teaching. So I don't really, I, I really want to believe that everybody's gets what I'm trying to communicate. So let's go back. So Jesus preached the law, he was upholding the law, he was saying so many things that you, you would think nobody can literally do these things, Jesus. Again, Verse 26, or verse 25, I Agree with thy adversary quickly, while thou art in the way with him, lest any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto you, unto thee, thou shalt no means come out thence till thou hast paid the last uttermost farting. Ye have heard, that it was said by them of whole time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Everybody has to listen to this one. Jesus said, you have heard once upon a time. This was the message of Jesus. Not even the exact message you recorded. Jesus said, "I have heard in the whole time that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whosoever looks unto a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery, with her already in her heart. Wow, Jesus. Jesus just said, you don't literally have to get into the act of adultery before you commit the sin called adultery. Now, when it comes to the act of adultery, you may try your best to make sure you don't commit it, because you love God. But Jesus was trying to bring sin. You know, the Pharisees have a way of bringing what they call sin on the outward. Jesus was trying to make them understand. Sin is from the heart. Sin starts from the inside. That's where he was saying you don't have to kill somebody to commit murder. That if you are angry at your brother, you've already committed murder. You don't have to actively commit adultery before you commit adultery. If you already commit it in your heart, it's already adultery. You know what Jesus was doing? He was trying to lift the law. uphold the law. That you don't have to do. Before you commit the sin. If you conceive in your heart. You've already committed the sin. Why is Jesus doing this? So that we cannot come to a place and say. Jesus no one can be saved. You know why? Think about it like this. Even in this generation. You don't have to commit adultery. Because the device called the phone. And the social media. Those guys they are really working so hard. To make sure to pollute the mind of almost all the users. So you imagine you are seeing a movie on YouTube. Innocent person. Even a gospel. Clearly a gospel movie. Or you are listening to music. Gospel music. So clear. And then you will be amazed. Out of the blues. An ad will just show up. And then the ad will not be related to the movie or to the gospel songs you are listening to. And then the ad... Most of the art, sadly, that have been produced in this generation contains at least one or two sexual content. And then you, the innocent guy, watching your YouTube, out of the blues, saw an art, and then that sexual content is not even related to the material or to the product they're advertising. But they have to, you know, it's one of the um, business and marketing strategy. So they put it into it so that they can see or get more people to view the heart and then imagine the statement of Jesus. You don't have to commit adultery. As long as you conceive it in your heart, you are to commit adultery. So Jesus is trying to make you understand, if you want to go by righteousness, by works, nobody can be saved. Because even the person that is justifying himself, ah, thank God me, I, I have not killed any human before. Well guess what? You've been angry at your brother. We think with the law is the law doesn't qualify sin. Sin is sin. You know, it is in this generation we say something is big sin, something is small sin. If we want to define or talk on the subject of sin, worrying is a sin. Fear is a sin. Because the Bible clearly stated, Whatever is not of faith is sin. So you don't have to kill, you don't have to lie, you don't have to commit adultery before you commit a sin. When you worry, you're sin. And sadly, most times people worry. So you're constantly living in sin. <laughs> so, do, do you understand the context of the trying you say? So, if you want to talk about the subject of sin, because again, the law strengthens sin. Do you know what I just said right now? Because I said Jesus preached the law. Imagine if, imagine if, because ima- you're listening to this right now, if I don't clearly state the context of Jesus' message if I don't clearly state what happened after Jesus died and resurrected, if I just stop right now where I just stopped, imagine you come to church, and I need you to get in, get in line with what I'm about to explain. Imagine you come to church, and I taught, or maybe as a preacher, I don't understand the difference between law and grace, and I need a message to preach for you. And then imagine, again, I don't understand, imagine I don't understand the difference between law and grace. And I thought, oh, let me preach the message Jesus preached. I mean, if it was Jesus' message, let me just preach it now. But people don't understand, this was the law Jesus was preaching. And they go, don't forget, why was the law given? The law was given, Romans 5.20, so that people can sin the more. It's in the Bible. So that iniquity might abound, Romans 5.20. twenty. First Corinthians 15.56 says, the strength of sin is the law. So when you preach the law, you are getting people to be more self-conscious. And when they are more self-conscious or self-righteous, they commit the sin the more. That literally means if you come to church and the only thing, listen, the only thing I preach to you is, Jesus said, if you you don't have to commit murder before you commit murder, as long as you're angry with your brother, you've already committed murder. You know what happens? When you get home and then your brother does anything for you and you get angry at him, the next thing that's certain is, you've committed murder. You start hearing the voice saying, you have murder, you've committed murder, you are a sinner, you've committed murder. Because why? The strength of the sin, or the strength of sin, is the law. So you now start hearing that, you've committed, you've committed, and then accusation comes, then guilt comes, then condemnation comes. Imagine now you hear that you don't have to commit adultery in the action, but the moment you conceive it in your heart, or you look at a woman lustfully, automatically you've committed it. You know next thing that happens, when you have seen your next YouTube video, and then the illustration I just gave comes up again, you saw a video out of which you didn't plan to see, but they push the heart because you didn't subscribe to no heart. And then they push a sexual content. You know the next thing that comes in? Guilt. Because with the law comes condemnation. With condemnation comes guilt. With guilt consciousness comes sin consciousness. And then the next thing is for the rest of that day. Or even for the rest of that week. You feel as if God is mad at you. Because now you've done something you don't want to do. You never had control over the heart. But now because you heard the message of the law. The law has a way of strengthening sin. The law is the ministry of condemnation. Paul said at the point, he said, I wouldn't know what this particular sin is until I was told the word, don't. The moment you hear, don't do this, it becomes a law for you. And then the more you have the law, law as a way of strengthening sin. What I'm saying is very powerful. You know why it's so powerful? Again, I've explained this before. It is almost as if the places where they preach Don't do this. Don't do that. That's why people do it a lot. Very easy. The strength of sin is the law. Jesus preached the law. Why? Because he wanted to bring everybody to the end of themselves. He is the Savior. And the only way you will appreciate the Savior is when you understand that you can't save yourself. So that even when you are self-righteous, we don't lie, we don't commit murder, Jesus will tell you, oh bro, you don't have to commit murder before you commit murder. If you are angry at your brother, then you are also a murderer. I say, ah Jesus, but I have not killed, but Jesus said yes. Well, you are angry at your brother, so you are also a murderer. Then nobody can be saved. That's why you need a savior. That's why I'm offering the gift of righteousness. Did, did you get the context of the message of Jesus? He had to uphold the law. Because he knew he was going to offer you grace. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Let's take this step further. I love this part. The next part is very awesome. Jesus said verse 29, and if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members perish, and none that all uh, sorry, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. And if, and cast it from thee, for it is, prof, it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not thy whole body should be cast into hell. Jesus said, hey, you know what? If your right hand offend thee, I know in some other versions, Jesus says something like, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Have you ever seen anybody do this literally before? No. Does that mean people are not sinning with their part of the body? They are. So why did Jesus say this statement and was so literal with it? Because he wants people to come to the hand of themselves. He wanted people to get and say, Then who, who exactly can be saved? Nobody will be saved. Nobody can be saved. Nobody will be saved. Just that if you're high, pluck it out. If it's your hand, pluck it. Cut it up. This is why I don't, I'm not okay with those that oppose the law. Because with the law, again, it only strengthens sin. And it is very easy to preach the law in the area of the sin you are not committing. In the context of if I come out of a preacher concert and tell you, Thou shalt not commit murder, thou shalt not kill jesus doesn't preach the law like that jesus said you know what you've heard that you should not kill and some of you are really doing so well you've not been killing but you know what there's a sin that is equivalent to murder it's called anger and i'm like whoa <coughs> because people think oh anger is a little sin at least god can forgive me but ah i can't kill jesus is trying to make you understand it's the same sin sin is sin you may just say you categorize sin, but sin is the same that is why all I've seen are fortunate of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life, and it comes freely through Jesus. So get the context of why Jesus preached what he preached. Because today I still see people preaching exactly what Jesus preached. They don't even know the context of why we preach what they preached. And then they are putting their church member into more, more bondage, thinking they are preaching the message of Jesus, not knowing they are preaching the law, because Jesus preached the law. And our message is no longer the law. Our message is the grace. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6. We are now able ministers of the new covenant. New testament. You should understand. Jesus preached the law. These are law message because it was pointing men to themselves. It was telling them what they have to do. What they haven't done well. What they may be doing that is not right. It is the law. Jesus preached the law. So don't think out of good intention. You need the message to preach. You go carry the message of Jesus word for word. Not understanding the context not understanding the why, and then you are, you are preaching to God's people, not even understanding why it was said in the first place. Again, Jesus spoke about divorce. Verse 31. It has been said, whosoever shall put his wife away, let him give her a writing of divorce. But I say to you that whosoever shall put his wife away, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, a Now, if you check the punchline of Jesus, Jesus you have heard in the time of old, or it has been said, so it he was always making reference to the law in the Old Testament, and it will bring it, and not just talk about that law, but it will t- make sure it took that law to the higher level. That you just add, this is fornication, but fornication is also in this area. You just add, this is murder, but murder is also in this area. So Jesus elevated the law. He upholded the law. Glory to God. You know there's a place in John chapter 8. They came to meet Jesus. They said, Jesus, this woman was caught in a doctrine. Listen to the punchline. The punchline of John chapter 8. According to the law of Moses. That's what they told Jesus. They said, according to the law of Moses. Exactly. So they told Jesus about the law. According to the law of Moses, we are supposed to stone her. What did you say? You know what Jesus did? Jesus threw the law back at them. Jesus said, yes, that's true. You know what? He who is without sin, cast the first stone. You want to use law for me? The law came through Moses, but you know what? I gave Moses the law. The God, Jesus, gave Moses the law. Because though it was given to Moses, but... He was the custodian of the law. He gave the law in the first place through Moses. So Jesus elevated the law to a point. Oh, that's true. If you want to cast this woman stones because she committed a sin by breaking the law, then that means you have to be sinless to accuse the sinful. So he who is without sin cast the first stone. Nobody could cast a stone. And that's, that's the thing about the law the law with the law it is easy to point out people's weakness as long as you know that their weakness is not your exact weakness so when you see preachers talk about the fact that people are not praying enough it is easy because maybe that preacher to an extent prays for many minutes or many hours but the truth is if prayer becomes legality that is no longer relationship in the new testament in the new covenant prayer whether for long or for short, should be born out of relationship. If you were to live under the law, you know Jesus attacked prayer. It was almost as if Jesus attacked prayer while preaching this message called Samuel, Samuel of the Mount. We're going to get it. Jesus said, when you want to pray, don't be like the Pharisees. Praying outside so that people can see them. Go into your closet. Jesus was laying in for the fact that Prayer should not be what even people should know about. Prayer should not be what you should be publicizing or really, really telling people about. He said, Go into your closet. That was the message of Jesus on prayer. Oh get there? But what I'm, tr- what I'm trying to say exactly is the fact that you should understand the context of what Jesus said and why he said what he said. When he preached from Matthew 5 to Matthew 8, the goal was that he was going to preach the law and when he preached the law man can come to a point where he said nobody can be saved. And then when we come to a point where nobody can be saved. And we realize that God loved us and gave us a Savior. It will make us appreciate the fact that indeed we need that Savior. And this is why I got born again. Because I couldn't help myself. My good works could not save me. So I needed somebody to take my place on the cross of Calvary. Because if Jesus didn't take my place on that cross of Calvary, then I have to die for myself. I have to die for my sins. I wasn't ready to. (laughs) So I needed somebody. I needed a gift. I needed someone to pay the price for me. So Jesus did pay the price for us. Because if you have to go with all the messages Jesus was preaching here, nobody can be saved. But you know what? This is why God exactly gave us a gift called justification by faith. And justification by faith is the gospel. Righteousness by faith is the gospel. Because if you want to come back to righteousness by works, Almost no one can be saved. Literally, nobody can be saved. And this is what Jesus was trying to communicate. You should understand this. He was upholding the law. Let me just finish with Matthew chapter 5 and then we'll wrap it up today. Matthew chapter 5. Let me just wrap it up. What verse did I stop? Okay, let's go to verse, chapter, verse, verse 33. Again, w- you have heard that it had been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto the Lord thy hope. But I say to you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shall thou swear by thy head. Because thou canst not make one here white or black. But let your communication be ye, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than this, comet of evil. Again, that's another sin. Some of you say, you swear. And you, you don't want to swear by God. But just say, don't swear by anything. What was he doing? He was upholding the law. He was taking the law to the extreme to make man understand and nobody can be saved. What if I tell my friend that yes, I did it and say he doesn't believe me? At times, maybe I should just swear. Just say don't swear at all. Let your yes be yes. If he will believe you, let him believe you. If he won't believe you, let him not believe you. But Jesus, that's practically impossible. They don't trust me. Just say, you know what? Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. What was he doing? Oh, upholding the law. The next verse. You have heard, verse 38 that it had been said, and high for and high, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Have you ever seen anybody do this literally? No, the answer is no. Jesus was upholding the law. That once upon a time it is, if somebody does something to you, do it back to them. But now, if they do it to you, Give them more opportunity to do it to you. If they turn the right thing, turn the right right one to them. Jesus was upholding the law. And that's why I'm taking time to explain these things word for word. He was upholding the law. Not because you'll be able to do all of these things. But he was trying to make you understand, well, you have heard. It was written. He was using what was written against them. Because they do people don't understand the reason why the law was given in the first place. It is because you can't fulfill it if you could fulfill the law then Jesus doesn't have to fulfill the law people should understand the context of Jesus message all of this is Jesus is saying you can't you can't successfully do them in le- in 3 in 72 hours just 3 days you can't he was elevating the law you have heard in the time of old it has been written and you will, will take what was already written you have heard in the time of old and then you will make them he will take it a step further I mean they understand you can't fulfill these things. Again, verse forty. If any man shall see thee at the law and take it away thy coat, let him have your cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go, go with him twain. Give him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. Joseph, if anybody wants to borrow from him, you, you must give them. Even if they don't always return your money back. He borrow them. Have you ever seen anybody who consistently does this? Almost none. And this is what Jesus... People don't understand that was the thing Jesus was trying to do for them. And people think it's a how. Well, we do this. It is not for you to pride because you can't fulfill those things. That's why he came to fulfill the law. Again, you have heard, verse 43, In the time of old, you have heard that it had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say to you, so you see, just that you have heard, Making reference to the law they've they've been told. But this is what I say to you. Love your enemies. Bless them that cause you. Have you ever seen anybody done this? Very few. They have to be believers. And then they are believers and they could do it because they now live under the grace of God. It is under the grace you give people what they don't deserve. Under the law, none of these guys have experienced the grace. So they don't even know that they've been forgiven when they don't deserve it by God. So, we may end up blessing those that cause us today as believers because we have experienced that from God. That when we don't deserve to be saved, God said Jesus to die for us either ways. That when we don't deserve God's love, God loved us either ways. And if you understand that over and over, you may find it easy to bless those that cause you. But as at that time, nobody could do it because none of them have even experienced the good they don't deserve. We may be able to do it today because we are now under the grace. We live after the death, resurrection, and the resurrection of Jesus. But they couldn't. Jesus was preaching these things to bring them to the hand of themselves. This is why I said Jesus preached the law. Again, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that cause you do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despisefully use you and persecute persecute you. Jesus says you pray for them for people that are taking advantage of you. Pray for them. This is exactly what Jesus said, which is practically impossible as at that time. Even now, it's still almost impossible. But I'm trying to make you understand, it was this message you are hearing now. I know even now, thank God you are born again, you may be able to do one on or two of these things, or even all, now. But as at that time, when you've not experienced forgiveness from God, when do you don't understand what it means to get the good you, you, you don't deserve, when do you've not experienced the grace of God, it was still law dispensation. None of them could do this. And then Jesus would say, verse 45, that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. Sendeth to rain to the just and their just. So just to shine and say, like God actually gives people the good they don't deserve. He shines the rain on the just and the just because he is a good God. Amen. Verse 46, If you love them which love you, which reward have he? Do not the publicans do the same, and if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even publicans so, but be ye perfect, even as your par- father, which is heaven, is perfect. Now, this context hopefully, you understand this. This context of what Jesus said, he knew it was practically impossible because, again, as at that time, none of them have the Holy Spirit. So perfection is far away from them. But you know why Jesus was using this punchline? He was saying it those ways. He was using it because He knew none of them could fulfill the law. Again, listen. The message of Jesus, He preached it not because anybody could do them all. He preached it because He knows when He preached it to a point, they won't be able to do it. And they will come to the hand of themselves. Listen. Galatians chapter 2 verse 21. If righteousness could be achieved by the law, then Christ died in vain. All the message Jesus preached, if we could have at least one person that can fulfill all of them, Christ died in vain. That is exactly what the Bible is saying. So you should understand context for, for, for Jesus' message. Why did he preach the law? Because again, he didn't come to destroy the law. So he had to uphold the law because again, the more you preach the law, the more people come to the head of themselves and they see the need for the Savior. The law was given so that iniquity might abound. So if you say, God, we can't help it. Even Peter, Peter, just normal Peter, he can't even do half of all of these things. Jesus said, if they slap your face on the right hand, turn the left cheek. When they came to arrest Jesus, Peter didn't wait for them. Peter caught somebody's here. (laughs) Jesus said, do not swear at all. Peter, when they told him he was with Jesus, that he had been with Jesus, Peter denied with cursing and swearing. I'm telling you Peter that has been with Jesus for three good years. I'm making you understand the aim of this message was not to make somebody, uh, or to find at least, no, nobody can be justified by this thing. Because if Anybody, just one person on the surface of the earth can do everything Jesus was preaching from Matthew 7 to Matthew Matthew 5 to Matthew 7, Galatians chapter 2, verse 25, 21. If anybody could do it, Christ died in vain. That is exactly what the Bible says. If anyone can be righteous by keeping the law, if you could do all the works of the law, if you could feel the law, then Christ died for fun, he died uselessly. That is exactly what the Bible says. So, get the context. Most people still come, they still use the message of Jesus, throw it at people, and then they say, Well, you have heard, you have heard. You, are, you are preaching the ra- right message at the wrong time. Because if you preach it on the time of Moses, it's a fantastic message. That's what Jesus preached the law. That is exactly why, from the moment you read the four gospels Genesis, Exodus, sorry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. After the resurrection of Jesus and these four guys gave account, you will not see some more of thou shall not thou shall," But you will see more of what he did for us. He was raised for our justifications. He died for the forgiveness of our sins. In him we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. So it, the focus is no longer on what you do or what you don't do, what you must do. It is now on what Christ has done. So it is no longer on morality, but based on what Christ has done. Listen, effortlessly, if we preach Christ to you, you will eventually live right. Jesus was upholding doing good and not doing evil. Morality. But after his death and resurrection, the message is he died for us. And God will raise him from the dead. That is the message now. And because he died, all your sins are forgiven. Because God raised him from the dead, you are now justified. Effortlessly, you will live right. In fact, effortlessly you will fulfill the law because Christ lives in you. That's why the Bible exactly says you have dominion over sin when you are under the grace. You will find out that living right will become a fruit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. I I, I said so many things. And this will really help you much when you are a preacher. Your work is not to lay more demands on people, tell them more things to do. And if they are not getting a result, it's not to tell them they are not doing enough. That is the wrong message. Your job now is just to tell them what has been done once and for all. If you're trusting God for healing, my job is to tell you it is provisions for healing has been made available because of what Christ did for you. It is not to tell you more things to do to get healing. No, again, I'm still putting it. Any gospel that tells you you have to do again, do more, you are not doing enough, is still not the gospel of Christ. Because the gospel of Christ is Christ did all so that you can receive all. So if you're trusting God for healing, listening to this, I want you to know by the stripes of Jesus you've been made healed. Jesus took your infirmity so that you will not have to take your infirmity. He took your coronavirus on the cross of Calvary. And guess what? So that you can take His divine health. It's an identity exchange. He didn't deserve to die. But he died so that you can live forevermore. And this Mm. is why he gave you eternal life. It is eternal life. Eternal life. Because he took your death. So you have his life. His own life was eternal life. You were supposed to die. So he took your death. He gave you his eternal life. He took your infirmity. He gave you his divine health. And we want to pray with you for trusting God for healing. And you'll be healed. Because it is the will of God for you to prosper and work and be in good health. Even as your soul prosper. So Father we thank you. If there is anybody trusting God for healing right now. For the reason that Jesus took their infirmity. And his body was broken. So that our body can be put together. I command the healing power of God. To rest upon everybody right now. Who is trusting God for healing. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus beautiful name I be prayed. Amen. You know I have said so many things. And I just want to put it out there. If you have questions. I really want to hear from you. If you have any questions. Just send us a DM. Let let us hear your questions. Let us address it. But if you don't, if you successfully understand everything I've been saying, then blessed are you. Because you have to get the context. Get the context of the message being preached. Anyway, finally, today is BDM's birthday. BDM is in Nigeria. And BDM is, you know, I I made a post about it. When True Spirituality Network started, it was myself and BDM that, Started two spirituality network back in Nigeria and in 2016. And to the glory of God, Chu is five years old today. And he's one of the low key, and I use the word low key because he's very gentle and humble. And he, l- he doesn't really like to come on the scene to work behind the scene. <laughs> I find myself in front of the scene, and but he's been amazing. And I want everybody to just go celebrate. Even if you're listening to this on video, just type happy birthday, or even audio, or just I know people have already greeted him happy birthday on, on the True Spirituality group, but just taking our time to celebrate him. And there's nothing more beautiful than having people to support um, the preaching of the gospel. He has made ministry easy, <laughs> yeah, he has really made ministry easy. And I just want to thank God for his life. I want to thank God for, for people like him. I, I just want to thank, thank God for people like him. So it's his birthday. Happy birthday to him. He shares the same birthday with my mom. Today is my mom's birthday as well. So there's nothing more beautiful than having these two amazing people have their birthday on the same day. So we celebrate you. Thank you so much. God bless you. We'll continue from here tomorrow, same time. And God bless you the lord is my shepherd i have all that i need and what i'm doing right now begin to speak to you in psalms because ephesians chapter 5 says speaking to one another in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody to god in your heart and i just want you to know just like god says in psalm 23 that he is your shepherd and he's always with you even when you don't feel it so you have all that you need you may not see it because your sight is limited but if you focus on this world you realize you have all that you need long before you were born his supply is far greater than whatever you ever need on earth. if he could give you Jesus he will give you every other thing you would ever need long before you get to that season he has made provisions available for you and he wants you to know this don't focus on your bank account to define who you are if he could give you Jesus he will give you everything God giving us Jesus is the proof that he has done for you much more than he will ever do for you. He has given you much more than you ever need. So just focus on him because you have all that you need. And he has made you to lie down in green pastures, in green pastures. And when he wants you to lie down, he wants you to rest and not stress because He is always working. Most times you don't feel it, so you get worried, you get anxious, but he says in his word that he has made you to lie down. And if he has made you to lie down then rest stop trying to figure out things on your own just allow god to do the things he's doing in your life and He leads you beside the still water where everything is cool calm and collected he restores your soul if your heart is troubled before you came here the lord has restored your soul in the mighty name of jesus oh glory to god and though you walk through the valley of shadow of death you don't have to be afraid, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Glory to God. Oh managai, And surely, God's goodness, God's favor, God's unfailing love, is what is running after you. Village people are not chasing you. It's the goodness of God that is hunting you down. It is pursuing you all the days of your life, and you rest in the house of the Lord forever and ever. If you have been blessed by this message, we invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of God's love to all nations. Send us an email on True Spirituality at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms True Spirituality Network on both Facebook and Instagram, T Spirituality on Telegram, and Akimika on YouTube. So, cash up with all our podcasts, search for Akimika on all major platforms, including Spotify. Audio mark and anchor as you feed on God's love for you, allow His love to cast out every fear. And remember, it's not about you, it's all about Jesus.